welcome to the show. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And we are two mall girlies, unbothered, heading into Aeropostale. Just knowing that we don't have to deal with being stared down by some stranger in the park. And you're listening to Tuesday's Art for Twilight. I wish that, like, dance moves could make a sound on the screen so that they would know that I was dancing right now. Okay, I'm going to make a sound, and I want the listeners to guess what the dance move is. So I would describe this sound as... Let us know in the comments. <laughs> Drop a comment below, like, and subscribe. <laughs> How's it going, Paige? Oh, it's going well. I I haven't really done too much crazy stuff today. I did send an email to my OSHA boss. Um, Emily knows about this, but I was doing some editing today, and there was a sentence that just did not I don't know if he if he wrote this sentence, if he found this information from like some OSHA source and copy and pasted it, but it was I'm going to say playfully fat phobic and I a couple weeks ago at one of our meetings, my boss said, "We've worked together now long enough that I want you to take this position as executive assistant quite literally and if something I do is stupid or like like sounds like a bad idea I want you to feel confident in telling me like that's a bad idea shut up don't do that so in my edits you know I had all my other edits for this document and then I literally said all right I'm gonna make my first executive assistant uh so and so this is a bad idea statement you need to delete this from the manual this is not like this is bad taste and Honestly, like, it's not our job to make this comment, so it should be deleted. And then I ended it with, this sentence is conjuring up the saying in my mind, stay in your lane. And I sent that to him, and we're going to see what he says. So, you know, I feel I feel good about it. I think he's going to agree with me, but it is a little nerve-wracking saying, like, hey, this was a fucking bad idea to your boss. Yeah, that is nerve-wracking. I'm proud of you. But also he asked for it, so he can't be mad. It's true. This is this is apparently my job, so. <laughs> apparently. So today, if you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, which is October 18th, today was the deadline for sending us spooky stories. We will give you until noon Mountain Time today to get those in. Um, these episodes are posted at midnight Mountain Time, so... Depending on when you're listening, you might have time to send it in, um, and we'd love to read it on the podcast, so hit us up. And then, as a reminder, a week from today will be our patrons and donors Breaking Dawn watch party at 6 p.m. sharp. We recommend getting into the Discord server a little bit early, just so that you're ready to hit play right at 6 p.m., so that we can all be kind of at the same spot in the movie. And... You still have time to join by donating or becoming a patron, and we'll share more details about that at the end. I will also add a week from today, if if you're on the fence about becoming a patron, apparently there's going to be my reaction to something live that is supposedly very exciting, and that's going to come out next week. Um, that'll be next week's episode. Are you going to release that the day of or before, or like how are you going to do that? I'm just curious. You know, I hadn't decided. Um, 
So that episode will be out on the 25th, probably sometime within that next week, because we'll have the following week with no episode. So, you know, got to keep got to keep the listeners fed with content. So maybe like because uh, we'll have the spooky episode come out that week, too. So. It's a mystery. You'll see. OK, well, just know that apparently this is this will be worth donating towards. I think it will. I really do. I genuinely don't know. My thoughts are there's never been a live uh, reaction, so clearly it's going to be something horrible. (laughs) And I do want to note that when we post that on our Patreon, it will be only for people who have donated specifically to our Patreon. Um, And so if you're a donor to one of the other organizations, like Move to Higher Ground, um, just message us and I'll send it to you individually. Um, that just is probably the easiest way because we can restrict access on Patreon to just our patrons, but obviously we can't um, include our donors in that. So make sure you message us if you want to see Paige's live reaction. Yeah, do it. <laughs> All right, let's hit a recommendations corner. You go first. Okay, I don't know. This this might tickle like one listener. I feel like it's a very niche, uh, special thing to like. However. I want more people to know about it. So my recommendation is KFC mashed potatoes. I don't know what the fuck they put in those, but God fucking damn, are they good. I used to go with my old, old, now that I know that listeners know how many roommates I have, I'm like, oh, it was my old, old, old roommate, three roommates ago, Jenna. We used to just go to KFC and get mashed potatoes. I got her onto it. I mean, she sometimes would get chicken, too, because she could. But, like, I can't eat really anything there. Honestly, I probably shouldn't even eat the potatoes. But there are some things that I will risk intestinal distress for. They are fucking good. I'm not going to lie. I totally stand behind that. Have I ever told you that my sister um, in high school, like, her thing before basketball games specifically was that she had to have KFC mac and cheese? I mean, if it works, it works. I guess. I'm like, this seems pretty heavy, but you do you, sister. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know if I would eat, like, exclusively carbs and dairy before an athletic event, but sure, yeah. Carb load. <laughs> She's built different. <laughs> okay, so we read a pretty short chapter this week. Wait, what's what's your recommendation, Claire? Oh, wait, I skipped it. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, um, mine is corn mazes. It's that time of year. I just hit up a corn maze a couple days ago, and it's just fun. It can be stressful if you allow it to be, as someone with OCD. I was, like, a little bit stressed at first, but then I was like, you know what? This is for fun. And you're just chilling amongst some corn. It's just vibes. I don't know if you have them in your area, listeners, but if you do, I suggest checking them out. Would you like to hear a fun maze fact? I don't remember where I learned this, but the logic of it makes sense to me. So I'm going to count it as fact. Absolutely. If you're ever getting stressed out at a maze, you're like, I'm never going to escape. There is one way that you can get out of a maze. It might take a long time, but it basically are guaranteed to get out. Put your right hand on the wall to your right. And just walk, keeping your hand on that wall. You will eventually get to the end because you will, like, even if you take the wrong turn, if you keep going, you'll just turn yourself around and head back the way you came. Your hand's still on the right wall, 
And then you'll go down another path. And if that one doesn't work out, you'll just keep doing the same thing until you get to the right, the right path. Huh. That is fascinating. It's kind of hurting my brain to think about, but I, I take your word for it. It's only, I would say, like, if you're getting really stressed out, it, it will help, I promise. <laughs> my tip for getting out of those was always just um, literally walk in a straight line, which obviously doesn't work for mazes that, like, have walls. But for corn mazes, it would. Just walk in a straight line. If you have to cut through corn, cut through corn. Like, if you're panicking, if, you, if you're pregnant and you went into the corn maze and suddenly you're in labor. My sister went into a corn maze pregnant. She did not go into labor. But, but I went to one with her when she was pregnant. If you really got to go, just walk in a straight line. It'll end eventually. That is a more chaotic approach, but I think it will also work. <laughs> but not for ones with walls. Yeah, you could go over the walls. Yes, depending on how high they are. True. I also got two tiny pumpkins, which is not relevant to my recommendation, but I'm excited about it. Did you go to, is it Anderson Farm? Yep. They rock. I love them. It was popping. It was a whole festival. They have so many things. I it It's amazing. I loved it. They have like a haunted corn maze at night that... <laughs> I wouldn't say is like the scariest, but it's perfect. It's like, it's just what you want, you know? Okay. Yeah. We saw it. Like we saw the elements of it in the daylight. I'm going to a different haunted house this weekend. So I'll let you know. Speaking of haunted spooky, I have a follow-up recommendation. Just, just a spooky note. Um, I saw the movie Barbarian this past weekend with my old roommate. And if you're a scary movie fan, I would recommend it. It's there. You're not expecting what's to come. Okay, cool. Yeah, I had just seen on Twitter, I think yesterday, that it's going to be on HBO Max in like a couple weeks. So if you're not a movie theater person and you have HBO Max, maybe just wait it out. Here's the thing. I We went at 1120 in the morning on a Saturday. We were the only people at the theater. Third recommendation corner for two weeks in a row. If you want to go see a movie, go to the earliest possible showtime of it. If you can, on a weekday, you will nine out of ten times be the only person there. If, you, if you're if you into that sort of a thing. I used to do it all the time. I would go at, like, 11 o'clock on a Monday, and I would always have the theater to myself. Um, so we had the theater to ourselves. We talked the entire time, which was great. We were there for each other. We screamed out loud. It's a kind of movie where I jumped many times in theaters, and I screamed out loud. Which, I don't know if I'd do that if there were people there, but... There were some good scares. Okay. You've convinced me. I'm going to watch it when it comes on HBO Max. You should. You know, I got all those subscriptions. And by that, I mean, I pay for literally zero. of <laughs> them. Mm-hmm. As you do. As I was trying to say before I shared my recommendation, the title of this chapter is almost longer than the content. Um, but I do got to hear what you thought of the penultimate chapter in Jacob's part of Breaking Dawn. There was a lot going on in this chapter. Um, so basically, the, a quick synopsis, Jacob is tormented. He's heartbroken per usual. Heads to the, he's like, well, I got an imprint on someone. I got, it's got to happen to me. So he goes to like four different locations to just stare at women um, or girls to try and imprint and none of them none of them beat the beautiful brown hair 
beautiful smile of Bella Swan. Um, and so he kind of just like, I don't know, gets, I don't want to say gets over it, but like, he like feels all these feelings. He talks to this cutie with freckles and hair. I mean, they all had hair probably, but this, I think she had curly hair, maybe brown hair, something like that. Um, whatever. And he decides like, you know what, like I can make this work. Lee and I can make a, a good pack, you know, maybe, maybe I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll be stronger. I'll, I can, I can do this. And then he gets the house. He gets, he goes back. And basically Edward kind of asks him yet another big fucking ask. Edward has just been asking a lot of Jacob recently and he has topped the freaking cake here. Um, asking him to forgive him or Carlisle, whoever turns Bella when the time comes, because I think I guess he's come to terms with it now. Like that's probably what's going to happen, and she's going to survive. But in order for him to feel guiltless, I guess, or to keep a friend, to keep a, an ally, he asks Jacob to forgive him. Jacob is very question mark about this. Goes inside. Bella is enormous. She's big. Um, drinking her blood per usual, and. In this moment of being with her, Jacob decides, sure, let, I'll do it. I'll forgive you, whatever. And then Bella turns into what I'm going to call the fondue fountain at the uh, Golden Corral buffet. But instead of delicious chocolate, it's blood. So I think, I think things are about to happen. I think things are rolling. So I guess my opinion of this chapter is, I was feeling real good for Jacob in the beginning. I was like, maybe we're getting somewhere positive. And then Stephanie was like, fuck you, it's October. Let's make this macabre. And yeah, I, I'm i excited for the next part. I feel like this was almost like a little bit of a lull in action to build up for what's to come. Like there was a lot going on, but it wasn't really high stakes to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it felt like the calm before the storm. Yeah. And like, I was feeling so good about things like the part with where Jacob was thinking about Leah again, like, I feel like we're, we're heading towards that. And so I was feeling like really good and happy for him. And then he gets to the Cullen house and then everything goes to shit. Everything explodes in his face and I'm feeling nervous for what's to come. <laughs> do you know that macabre is just macabre? You know, it's not macabre, right? Okay. Then why do they spell it? M-A-C-A-B-R-E. I don't know. I just wanted to make sure you were doing it like in jest. Yes, yes, yes. I also am referencing, oh God, what was that website called? I'm, I don't know. I'm going to guess you probably don't know it, but there was this like animated skit website in like the mid 2000s that their their big famous thing was uh, Trogdor, the Burninator. Um, there were all these like drawn characters and one of them said macabre, macabre, and it's just stuck in my head because I was obsessed with that website as a kid. The name is vaguely familiar because I feel like you told me about it. I was obsessed with it in middle school, so probably. I'm going to look it up really quick. Okay. It will hold. What are your thoughts on the chapter? I don't know. I just, it felt really relatable. It's weird as fuck what Jacob does, but it also felt really weirdly relatable of like when you're sitting at home and you're like, I will, this was when I was single, obviously, but like, I was like, I will never meet my boyfriend. I have to go to King Supers and just like look at people. 
I used to say in middle school and high school, my sister used to hate me for this because because of this, she had to go into the store because I went into the store with my mom. If I had stayed in the car, then she could stay in the car. But I never wanted to stay in the car because I'm like, you never know who you're going to meet at King Supers. You never know who you're going to run into at Target. Like that could be my future boyfriend in there. You never know. That used to be me as well. Exactly. Like my most opportunistic time. Actually, this one time with an old friend, I will blur out her name, but it was we went to a Rockies game together. And obviously that was like breeding ground for like young, like teenage boys. And we were teenagers at the time. And we literally played a game where we just like walked laps around the stadium and we would like try and make eye contact with every boy our vaguely our age that walked by and whichever one like of us that they made eye contact with we would get a point (laughs) and it was very fun I can't lie it sounds like a very enjoyable game it was validating Tina's here did you look up the trognor or whatever yes so the creators are like the website was called homestar runner okay in case that was bugging anyone else if they couldn't remember it I mean, Paige, you gave a pretty good overview. We'll just go through and hit the highlights. It was a, it was an action-packed but also short chapter. Right off the bat, I don't want to hear about cars. Again, how many times have I had to say this? Seriously, I looked the car up, and it is, I mean, I am not a car person. So if anyone out there is a car person, don't come for me. But it's nothing special. I wasn't like, wow, that car looks really cool. It just looks like a rich person car. However, I will say, have you heard that audio on TikTok where it's like, my daddy drives a Rolls Royce, my father drives a, and then it just keeps getting to fancier words for dad and then fancier cars. One of them says like, my papa drives an Ashton Martin. And that's what I thought of when I read that. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I didn't even know about this brand until I read about it in this book, but who cares? (laughs) So Jacob, as Paige says, Jacob basically wants to like force imprint on someone because he's remembering what Leah had said the last time they had talked of like, you wouldn't be upset about Bella anymore if you imprinted. And he's like trying to decide where to go. And he makes a rude comment about people who go to malls, which by the way, Paige and I were both mall girlies. We would sometimes go together. So Yeah. What was your favorite mall store? Mm, Honestly, Aeropostale was up there for me. I liked hitting up Hot Topic because they usually had Twilight stuff back in the day. What about you? I, Aeropostale was like, if I wanted like preppy clothes, did like that. I really liked Deb. They had cheap but nice clothes. Um, and this is probably regional. I don't know if every mall has this. Probably not. But our malls have this chocolate place called Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory, and they always had little samples. I know you're allergic to chocolate, so it's probably not a shared experience. But they used to have little fudge squares that you could walk up and take a fudge, and then you could leave. And I really like that. It's brilliant marketing, but also imagine the money they probably lost on that. They lost a lot of money on little diabetic me. Jacob says he's driving by a mall and he says I passed a couple malls which probably would have been pretty good places to find girls my age but I couldn't make myself stop 
did I want to imprint on some girl who hung out in a mall all day? The question you should be asking is, why would they want you? It's a really good question. And you want to know what the equivalent of a girl who hangs out at a mall all day is, like, in current times? An e-girl. They're hot right now. Like, it's... that Mall girls are in. <laughs> Get with the times. <laughs> so he ends up at a park, and he's just doing the thing that I did at a Rockies game as a teenager, making eye contact with every girl that's around his age in the park. And then he gives up because he... He's like, none of them are Bella. And then this brave soul, Lizzie, comes up and talks to him. I need a spinoff just about her, just saying. Also, I want to just say she's hot. I'll read her description. This is on page 333. A familiar looking girl was staring at me, her expression kind of anxious. I knew why I recognized her face. I'd already cataloged this one. Light red gold hair, fair skin, a few gold colored freckles sprinkled across her cheeks and nose and eyes the color of cinnamon. She sounds, she's described the way that my friend Grace looks and Grace is like literally the hottest person I know. And I hate taking pictures of her. (laughs) But yeah, she's brave for like putting herself out there and trying to cheer Jacob up. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would ever as like a teenager have the bravery to walk up to first of all someone who was just staring at me with probably a scary look on their face but two to just be so like casual and flirtatious and fun like this is such a meat cue right here and if the imprinting thing wasn't on Jacob's mind or even a thing in general Jacob would 100% have gone for this girl like totally you know this is this girl He has nothing but good things to say about her, but, like, clearly this huge thing is holding him back. Yeah, I did like that he had the maturity slash self-awareness, like, when he's reflecting on this whole thing, to be like, yeah, I'm just not in a place for that right now. Even after he kind of, like, quote-unquote, lets go of the imprinting thing, he still, like, recognizes that. But I want to read that part. So it's at the bottom of 334. I wasn't in that healthier place where Leah was headed. I wasn't going to be able to fall in love like a normal person. Not when I was bleeding over someone else. Maybe if it was 10 years from now, I'm like, honey, 10 years? (laughs) Okay, anyways, editorializing once again. Maybe if it was 10 years from now and Bella's heart was long dead and I'd hauled myself through the whole grieving process and came out in one piece again, maybe then I could offer Lizzie a ride in a fast car and talk makes and models and get to know something about her and see if I liked her as a person, but that wasn't going to happen now. It's, it's honestly one of the more mature things Jacob has ever said. See, I, I kind of want to add on top of this. So I feel like Bella is just, she's just such a normal person, like nothing outlandish about her aside from, who she associates herself with. Um, she has very uncrazy interests. She likes to read. She's quiet. She's an introvert. This girly has not one, but two men who could never get over her. Never. Years and years. Like, if if the conclusion of New Moon didn't happen, Edward was literally about to kill himself. Jacob's like I don't know maybe 10 years from now I'll be over her we'll see like 
what is Bella Swan's secret? I'm thinking about my past exes. They either want me dead or have forgotten I even exist. Like, what is that? (laughs) I think it's the fact that she's a self-insert for the author, honestly. Also, maybe she just has really good pussy. You don't know. Only one of these parties has seen it slash experienced it. And the killing himself thing was before it. That's so true. (laughs) I don't know, man. Okay, so Jacob, as he's driving back, has this whole reflection about how he feels okay about, like, moving through this grieving process with his pack being just him and Leah. And he thinks that she's going to be supportive of him and is, like, yeah, just kind of reflecting on, like, their friendship and how much it has changed in like just a few days basically and then he realizes that Bella's about to die so he's like I better get back like I'm wasting time here so he gets back and as Paige said everything hits the fan yeah shit hits the fan I mean Edward comes out of the fucking house and he just looks dead inside per usual that, I actually think it's, like, kind of the opposite of that, that, that Jacob's pissed that he, like, looks hopeful because he's like, once again, this motherfucker has betrayed me. But he does have, like, a lot of metaphorical bones to pick with Jacob. The first being that apparently when Jacob drove off, Leah stormed into the house and started screaming at Bella. I'm sorry, I have no choice but to stand. Maybe she was mean. That's not my business. I love it. Yeah, I mean, Leah declared basically in the last chapter, the chapter before it, she's like, I'm your pack now, baby. Like, I'll go where you go, bitch. And she, I mean, she's standing up for the alpha. She's clearly associated with this pack and she's committing to it. I kind of would pay pretty good money to see what she said. I... Like Leah yelling at a massively pregnant girl. <laughs> That's the part that gets me. That is the part that gets me. Is that like, like, it's not just like Bella, like standing, like her eyes are so big and she's just like taken aback wordless because Leah is so intimidating. She's also like about to fucking explode pregnant. <laughs> so Edward asks Jacob to talk to Leah and ask, like, make sure that never happens again. And I love that Jacob's like, well, she probably got it all out of her system. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, So then the next thing that Edward brings up, he's just piling on Jacob, like Paige had said. He tells Jacob that the baby, like, so now that Edward can read the baby's mind, he can understand The baby can understand what they're saying to an extent. And my note for this was just all caps, alien baby. That's fucking creepy. Yeah, I mean, like, I get the supernatural element, like, is going to explain anything weird. Like, it's a vampire, half vampire baby, baby. Don't overthink this. But, like, here's the thing. Here is the thing, anthropologically speaking. You ever see, like, a giraffe have a baby or like a horse have a baby and that baby it takes a little bit of time but it gets up and then it's like I'm gonna go eat some grass I'm gonna follow my mom we got we got shit to do we gotta get out of here there's there's lions around we gotta get out the but in comparison human babies are born and they're like I can't fucking see I don't know words I can't walk 
I'm going to shit myself. I can't do anything. I'm just going to scream. The reason for that is if we were to keep babies in the womb long enough, like those animals do, and allow them to mature to that level, we would not be able to have like birth them. They would not be able to get out and the mom and the baby would die. So we have to give birth to them at a point in their maturation where they can get out, but they're like not super developed. That's super interesting. So like, but evolutionarily, like we couldn't have them in any longer type of thing or. Yeah. Like, I mean, like potentially like, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but if there was the space for them, perhaps they could stay 10 months, 11 months. I don't know if that's true. I just know that like baby heads have been naturally selected to be a certain size to allow for like the most growth while also allowing for the birthing of them, you know? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And it also has to do with our bipedality. Like our pelvises are built in such a way to promote how we walk but it's not necessarily helping in the birthing process like those other animals are four-legged so their anatomy is different from ours like their pelvises are built different it's a whole thing it's a whole thing all I gotta say is that newborns have like no thoughts head empty like (laughs) human newborns anyways like they know like the basic necessities this baby is some some weird something weird in there alien babies right I do love how you're always dropping the anthropological knowledge on us. Thank you. I need some, I need, there needs to be some science in this book. <laughs> True. Okay. So the next thing that Edward drops on Jacob is that Carlisle is getting more blood because they're about to run out. But as soon as he gets back, Edward would like him to deliver the baby. So Jacob's whole four days are like not a thing anymore because Edward thinks it's time. He's like, it's dangerous to wait any longer, which it turns out he might be right based on what happens at the end of the chapter. But I did forget about this part when I was uh, synopsizing everything. Um, And I do feel really bad for Jacob in this. I feel like, I can definitely relate to there being experiences in my life where like I really needed to hold on to something or I needed this one thing to be true to get keep me going. And then for some reason or another, that thing either doesn't come to fruition or I've had misinformation and what I've been believing isn't the, the case. And it's kind of like completely disheartening and world destroying. So Obviously, my life experiences are different from Bella going to die in labor. Um, But I can get the sentiment that Jacob is feeling here. Like, his world is, like, collapsing under his feet. Because he really needed those four days to, like, prepare himself or get to some place mentally where he could deal with this. And he was not allotted that. So I I definitely feel for him. It is also, like, it kind of came as a surprise as the reader. Like, oh, we are moving forward. We are careening towards a climax here. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, when that's that sort of thing has happened to me, like, it does feel like you have nothing to stand on. Like, there's no foundation on which you're like... Because 
because before it happens, you're like, okay, I got that. Like, this is the thing that I will, this is my rock that I will hold on to. And then when it's gone, you're like, well, fuck. And it's not just a boulder, it's a rock. <laughs> exactly. Also, I love that you literally since like seven chapters ago, were like, Belle's going to have the baby soon, like in every prediction. And now that she's like, probably about to have the baby, you're like, this is fast. <laughs> it just, it like... These chapters have been, like, what, like, two weeks' time, you know? Like, it to me, it feels like it should be coming soon. These chapters of Jacob's perspective? Yeah. I feel like a week max. Even worse. Even worse. Like, it feels like it should be coming soon because, like, canonically, this is a very short amount of time. So I'm like, yeah, like, the baby's coming soon, like, in the next two days. But then it takes, like, four chapters to get to two days later. Yeah, that's true. That's what stuff is good at. At you, new moon. Or even Twilight. Remember how they're in love on, like, day, like, four or whatever? Yeah, that's that's a better example. Okay. So, finally, the last thing Edward piles onto the shit pile that he's giving to Jacob is this need for like an an official pardon and I'm like a little bit surprised or like curious I want you to say more about like because I interpreted this as like he's not really asking for forgiveness because he wants to keep Jacob as a friend like he's literally trying to prevent war because Jacob like is the rightful person to bestow that formal pardon like in the hierarchy of their tribe you know what I mean yeah I can I can definitely see that perspective I guess just what had moved me there's a, a paragraph specifically where Edward gets really almost sentimental. Here it is. So it's at the bottom of page 341. I'm sorry, he whispered. I'm truly sorry for the pain this causes you, Jacob. Though you hate me, I must admit that I don't feel the same about you. I think of you as a, a brother in many ways, a comrade in arms at the very least. I regret your suffering more than you realize, but Bella is going to survive. When he said that his voice was fierce and even violent. And I know that's what really matters to you. I, you know, it's been a long time coming to see this sort of camaraderie from Edward's perspective towards Jacob and for him to compare him to a brother in his eyes. To me that like this paragraph softened his relationship, I guess, even if it's one-sided with Jacob. And I do agree that he's asking for, you know, a pardon from war, but also at the same time, I think he is trying to salvage any kind of relationship that he might have. And he knows how much Jacob means to Bella. I think there's a lot at play at his motivations. Um, I think what you said is right, but I think that I'm also right. And it's not mutually exclusive. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm glad you explained that more. Yeah, because he's probably trying to maintain that relationship after whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. And like, even looking at all the other Cullens too, and their relationship with the wolves, like things have changed with their friendship, their, their, I don't want to say professional relationship. That's not what this is. Like their allyship, I guess. So just completely throwing that all away and going to war would not only tug probably on the heartstrings of the wolves but also the Cullens as well yeah definitely 
So Jacob doesn't give that official pardon right away, but he does later on, as Paige already said. I'm very annoyed that when Jacob goes in to see Bella and she's upset about what Leah did, that he says, I wanted to punch Leah right in her stupid mouth. I want to punch you right in your stupid mouth. She was standing up for you. Well, in association with Bella, Jacob has no identity. That's T. He he is Bella's number one best friend, and that's that. <laughs> Slash S. Sarcasm. <laughs> okay. He does say that, like, literally on the next page. Like, he's gonna miss having Bella as a friend, because, like, with like aside from all the romantic feelings that are involved like they are really good friends and so that's like a big part of the reason that he names the official pardon for Edward to save Bella and it not counting as like a violation of the treaty do you think I mean obviously you know the answer but how how Jacob's alphaness is described in this chapter and the the previous chapter when he broke away from um, Sam's Pact, do you think if Jacob decides there the treaty has it will not be broken, that will supersede Sam's statements? Since they're since they're calling on this like genetic hierarchy, this you know you you have Ephraim's blood, so you can make this call. Do you think there's a connection? to the rest of the wolves in that sense, that if Jacob decides that, then they all have to go along with it? Or because the packs have split, Sam's pack won't ad- adhere to this? That's a good question. And I don't actually know like the definitive answer, but my perspective would be that Sam offered Jacob the position of alpha when Jacob first turned. And he turned it down, but that doesn't really seem, like, that formal to me. Like, I'm sure it was just a verbal or even mental conversation. And I feel like when he chose to break away, that was, like, a very formal thing. And that was him assuming head of the the entire pack. So I feel like they would have to follow whatever he told them to do. That That's my opinion, too, is that, like, since they've made such a big deal t- to allow Jacob to break free from the pack and that Edward is phrasing it in this sort of way that, like, of any of the wolves to decide he is the only one who can, to me, it seems like that should supersede anything that Sam says. But with the packs being formally separated, I don't know if what Jacob decides affects everyone else. Right. Well, that's kind of what I was trying to say, too, with, like, how Sam offered it to him. Like, if he had taken it at that moment, his authority would have superseded Sam's. And so I guess my point is, is, like, it's no different now than it was then. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess we'll see what happens next. We're pretty much at the end of the chapter. Um, The last thing is horrible. (laughs) Bella stands up to go to the bathroom and she drops her cup of blood and even though everyone else could grab it and she doesn't have to she bends down to grab it can i go ahead everyone 
tried to reach for this blood to drop. And I am including the fetus. The fetus was like, oh, let me get that for you. Okay, that's so true. Basically, it sounds like something has broken inside Bella. Um, Because doesn't she like bend backwards? Oh, yeah. She arches and then vomits a fountain of blood. So my theory on this is that we, we touched on this a little bit in a previous chapter, but Bella has been able to consume all this blood because it's directly feeding the fetus. I'm going to, I'm going to allow my brain to accept that, even though it shouldn't be that way. My view is that this clearly is the start of labor. Perhaps her water just broke. Perhaps. Who knows? But I think that this is the fetus attempting to, we're going to start trying to get out of this body. And in unconnecting itself from Bella, Bella's body is like, what are we supposed to do with all this blood? We don't need this. (laughs) So she threw it all back up. (laughs) That is the most unscientific theory, but somehow I agree. (laughs) This whole book is the most unscientific thing that I've ever been exposed to. <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah, I don't think it'll change your your predictions much, but the name of the last chapter that we are going to be reading live next week is There Are No Words for This. Any additional thoughts you'd like to share? Well, I just think, I think what we're careening towards is Bella being turned in front of his very eyes. Like, I think that that is going to be something perhaps horrifying to witness. Like, the, the because there's no way Jacob isn't going to be there for this. There's no, why, why would we have a whole section from his perspective if he's not also going to be there for the birth? So. He just turns around and runs out of the house. <laughs> nope, I'm not, none of my business. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, he's going to be there. I think things have started. I think the birth is going to happen pretty soon. Um, But like, there's no words to describe seeing his best friend slash love. Something bad's going to happen. I don't know if this baby is going to like burst out like predator style. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be absolutely horrifically gory. And then to save Bella's life, they're going to have to turn her. Like, I feel like that's kind of the plan. So watching his best friend turn into this monster that he despises basically no words no words for that I think this is going to be absolutely gruesome that's what I'm predicting all right we'll find out next week you only have one more week of avoiding twilight talk (sighs) okay okay (laughs) I I saw one uh earlier that I like it was on my page for like 0.1 seconds and I was like nope I did see one from that one creator but she was she was quoting um or she was referencing something completely different. It was like after you you watch High School Musical for the first time, and it was her like doing all kinds of High School Musical stuff. And I was like, it's like my phone knew that I couldn't see anything from her that was Twilight themed. So we're gonna give you something else. I love that. Well, they are always listening to us. So the FBI agent has my back. The FBI agent has been looking up therapists for me for like the past several years. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we did it to him. Um, Do you want to hit him with the socials before we depart? 
So you can send us your spooky messages long form on Instagram or Tumblr at Tuesdays are for Twilight. You could also send us an even longer form, sort of a New Yorker form, if you will, on Gmail. And our Gmail is Tuesdays are for Twilight at gmail.com. If you'd like to just, you know, just shoot us some fun little other things on Twitter, you can find us on Twitter at Taft Pod. Um, if you'd like to be a part of the the fest the Patreon festivities, the live reactions, the watching Breaking Dawn Part One together, you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. Or as always, we also offer these exclusive benefits to those who donate to the Quilutes and their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground. If you'd like to find out more about that, you can look them up at www.mthg.org. Love it. I'm so excited for next week, people. Paige, what do you got? Don't don't be afraid to to kick your shadow self out out. Honestly, honestly, send them to the shadow realm cuz that's where they deserve to go. You be your sunlight self, shining bright, sending your aura and your rays across these lands, across the seven seas. Be you. Don't be a shadow of yourself. We'll see you next week for Chapter 18 in Breaking Dawn Red Live. Bye, y'all. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. (laughs) 